0: We all want to be heard, and when we're heard, we want to be understood, don't we? It's bad enough when it happens unintentionally, but it's even worse when it happens with malicious intent. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts today. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. We're going to, uh, we, we were with uh, Peter and John last week. This week, we're going to be with Paul and Barnabas uh, after several chapters have um, kind of intervened. Uh, it's gonna be the story of Paul's first missionary journey. He hasn't, he hasn't been at this very long. The year was 47, 48, 49 A.D., somewhere in there. He's traveled across the island of Cyprus. If I was Terry, I'd have a map up here, but I don't have a map, so you know you can look in the back of your Bible or whatever. Um, Paul and Barnabas and Mark, John Mark, they sailed north, northward to Asia Minor, what is now Turkey. And uh, from that south coast, they traveled inland to a place called Perga, where uh, John Mark kind of got cold feet and called the quits, went back home. And uh, it was then on, for the other two of them, to Antioch, um, of um, Pisidian Antioch. There are two, a couple of Antiochs that are, that are mentioned in the Bible, which is a straight-line distance of about 70 miles. But walking distance was a lot farther because there was a lot of difficult terrain they had to, to cover. So they're traveling by boat and a lot by By foot, there Paul preached in the synagogue, and it's interesting because the pattern seems to be his message led many to faith, and the rest it made him mad. Isn't that interesting? Many were led to faith, and the rest were made angry. That's going to be kind of what he his experience is. That pattern's going to repeat itself. Whenever the gospel went in, wherever the gospel went in Acts, it met with opposition. As well as faith. Now, in our chapter, we're going to start with verse eight, but look at verse four. Uh, look at verse four real quick, because it'll kind of tell us that. Here's kind of the pattern. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. So some wanted to stay with um, um, the Jews, rejecting the message of the gospel. Others sided, in, in this case, with uh, with Paul and Barnabas. And other believers that were there. So, from this Antioch town, uh, the missionaries then travel eastward to smaller towns. The first one was a place called Iconium, where again preaching led to division and controversy and faith. Remember, this series is all about faith. Paul and Barnabas then moved on to a place called Lystra, which is where we're gonna be today. Lister was a kind of a small, modest-sized town on a secondary highway, and thus it was pretty isolated from contact with the larger world. A local language was used, even though um, um, the Greek language had spread throughout that region. But they kind of mostly spoke a kind of a local language. So that's where we are now. You remember, there've been a series of these stops where Paul preaches, begins, he starts a church. Uh, his pattern is always to go to the synagogue first, and then he preaches to the Gentiles to whom he was called, and he starts churches all along this the, this path. But everywhere he's going, he's meeting all kinds of opposition. He's going to see that here again today. But you're going to hear, as we start here in 14.8, and uh, Steve Blair, I'll let you start us here in just a minute if you wouldn't mind. Um, As we start it, it's going to sound just like the story we read last week with Peter and John, because they're going to meet a man who was born um, unable to walk. We're going to see another one here. Steve, would you start in verse 8 and read down through 11? 11. Hey, this is really interesting, and it's going to get really kind of crazy here in just a minute. But let me let me pass out a couple, of, if I can, I hand out a couple of verses for, for folks to read, so that we'll be kind of there when we get time. Uh, will somebody go to Matthew 9, verse 27? John, thank you. Uh, and I need somebody else to go to Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. It's not on your outline. Isaiah 35. Thank you, Karen. Isaiah 35, by f- verse 5 and 6. And then Matthew 11, 5. Thanks, Cindy. Uh, Sherman, would you go to um, um, Philippians 2, 7. I had to find where that was. Okay. All right. Well, right. That'll help us as we get there. Okay. Now, According to the scriptures beginning in verse 8 that Steve read, this man, like the one we met last week, you want me to read that one again? Kind of flip back a couple of pages. Here's what it said so you can kind of compare the stories. They're really similar. Peter and This is chapter 3. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg Kind of got that thought. Here here it is. Here, there's a man who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Sounds similar, doesn't it? Now, remember, we're hundreds of miles from Jerusalem. Not the same guy. This is a completely different culture. It's a Gentile culture, not a Jewish culture. We've moved from Jerusalem, now way over here to Lystra in Asia Minor. And now, the preachers... Are Paul and Barnabas, not uh, Peter and John. But a similar kind of scenario takes place here. There's, there is in uh, Lister here, um, uh, this man, how long has he had this physical ailment? All his life. He's never known anything else. Can't walk. He's, he's uh, destined to beg in public places. There's little he can do but that. Okay, Um, this was, it kind of is making us begin to wonder, was this a pretty common thing to take place in public places? And I believe it probably was, that people who couldn't support themselves were destined to, they were kind of uh, relegated to, begging for their support in public places. Okay, okay, so Something really interesting happens here. We've got to catch it because it's, it's beautiful. It's what I want to call the look. The look. Okay. Uh, look at, let's go back to three again because the look was in three as well. Look at three, four. Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him. This was that, the other lame man and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention Okay, so there's a look now um in in verse nine here, as Paul kind of looks at this man, he notices what you and I might call the beginnings of faith. he was in the right place, maybe he'd been told of jesus uh, jesus healing maybe maybe that's what Paul was preaching about um um So Paul does what Peter had done in chapter 3 and and saw the look. He sees the beginning of faith, and he looks back at him. Now, uh, who got Matthew 9? Read, if you would, 27 down through 30. John? Two blind men who can't see, obviously, also have the look. You catch that? They're following Jesus. They. I began to think about it as I as I read this parallel passage. How did they find him? How did they get in touch with him? Somebody must have had to lead them to Jesus, which. That's a sermon for another day, right? And they, they said to him, they had the beginnings of faith. We think you can change our lives. I think the guy in Acts 14 begins to think, maybe these guys, maybe the Jesus that they're talking about can change my life. I got to figure that he didn't like his life very much. You ever been around somebody who just didn't like their place in life? We can call it depression. We can call it whatever. But it just things aren't going well. I don't like the way the direction my life is going. Have you ever been with that kind of person when the light begins to come on and they think, maybe, maybe something can change for me. That is the look and that's what this man has here in, in um, I believe at least, in, in verse 9. It's this thought that Paul sees there's a light dawning and he begins to talk to him. Now, in verse 10, Paul commands the man to do, oh, by the way, I haven't even filled in your blanks. So I Sorry. Sorry. I'm just going right on. The man had a lifelong disability, whatever you want to say that, and as Paul looked at closely, he observed the beginning of faith. I, I think I did say that one, but I didn't tell you what it was, okay? So Paul commands now the man to do something. So he is locked eyes with him. He sees the beginning of faith, and what does Paul tell him to do? Stand up. He... Tells him to do something, what I want you to think about, brand new. Something he's never done before. Stand up. He's never stood up before. It's interesting. It makes you wonder if he knew what that was. Yeah. That's how foreign this was. He tells him to do something brand new. And the one who never walked... Jumps up. You got to see that in your mind. Um, Play on words here. uh, Shameless. Sherman. Okay. He exercised. Faith. Think about that just for a minute. You can look at me and know I don't do much exercise. But. This man. Exercised. What this whole series is about, and we'll be in this until the end of February, what this whole series is about is exercising your faith. He had the beginnings of faith, and Paul called him out on it and said, get up, and he got up, he exercised his faith. That's the point here. Now, here's where I can't resist, because of where I've been reading in my quiet time. I can't resist to take us to a couple of other places here. It's just... Kind of incredible to think about what was predicted hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus that Jesus would do and that would be done in Jesus' name. And that's what's happening here. It's not only that Jesus did this, but it's those that believed in him did the same things and even more as he predicted in John fourteen twelve. He said, you're going to do greater things than I've done when I'm gone from here. And here's one of those things. Okay. Now, but you gotta you gotta catch it. Here's the Christmas connection. Um, Who's gonna go to Isaiah thirty-five? Who's Karen? Would you start with us at uh, for us at verse five? Read verse five and six. Now, this is about the the coming Messiah from seven hundred years before he came. It says some things he will be doing when he comes. Here's what he's gonna do. Did you catch what, Karen, read? The lame man will leap like a deer. Could Isaiah have gotten an image of Acts 14? I don't know. Jesus did some of those same things when he walked on the earth. But certainly here, in one of those, what I consider kind of a beautiful Christmassy portion of this. Christy, how was Messiah last Sunday night, I didn't get to go. Really good. There's, there's an alto recit in the middle of it where she sings, then shall the lame man leap as an heart. Here he is. Here he is. Doing something brand new. It was predicted. It's interesting. In a crisis of faith, John sends to Jesus for word back whether or not he was the one or is there someone yet coming? I find this really interesting. It's for the end of John's life. Listen to how Jesus reports to John what is going on. Who's got a Matthew eleven five, Cindy? John, if you're wondering if I am he, let me tell you what I'm doing. And the disciples said, we've seen it. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Remember the name Barry McGuire? An old rocker sang a song in the 70s called The Eve of Destruction. He found Jesus in, a, in, in, a, in a, a kind of a newer version of Handel's Messiah that was done back in the 80s or 90s or something. He did some narration, and he narrated Isaiah 35 in this section. And I just, I'll just i never forget that gruff old rocker voice, former, former drug addict who said, and those who never spoke in their lives will sing. What's happening? There's the connection with the Christmas story. Now, in verse 11, the folks in Lystra get, get it wrong. Okay? They love what's going on, but they get it wrong. What do, they, what do they conclude? The gods have come to earth. Now, in some ways, they are right. Okay? They're referencing gods, little g, and plural, we can only assume here, and we, we, we can assume it whether we've read it or not, that most of the people in the area prior to Paul and Barnabas's visit are pagans, polytheists, worship lots of gods who do lots of kind of um, interesting things. But the truth is, God has come down, hasn't he? but not in the way they thought. Who's got Philippians 2-7? Sherman? Sure. God has come down a human form. That's kind of what they said, right? But they got it wrong. They're thinking... Paul and Barnabas. In fact, they start giving them names. They, they thought one was Zeus and one was Hermes. One talks really well and one does something else and, you know, it must be Zeus and Hermes. But the, they got it kind of halfway right. God has come down in human form. And Paul can say, I met him on the road to Damascus. So, but but it's kind of interesting here Um. The truth is, um, they they got it halfway right, but but it was just twisted enough to really mess things up. Look at verse 13, same chapter. Look at verse 13. Here's what happens. The priest of Zeus, and remember, they're calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, so there's a temple to Zeus there. Temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate. What are they getting ready to do? They're getting ready to throw a barbecue. They're getting ready to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. Now, by the way, if these guys had been anything less than what they are, what might they have done? Hey, you know, bring it. Yeah. Never said no to a good barbecue, right? But they don't do that at all. In fact, they're cut to the quick about this mistake, this mistaken identity. Uh, Look at at verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes. What does that mean? They're in grief. That's what a Jewish person did when they were in grief. They tore their robes. And they rushed out of the crowd crying out and saying, man, why are you doing these things? We're also men of the same nature of you, and we preach the gospel to you so that you should turn from these vain things, these these pagan things, and worship the living God. So, so it it was kind of bad here. Now, if you don't think it's bad enough, we're gonna zoom ahead to verse 19 and read a little more, all right? Because the crowd that was that was ready and willing to sacrifice. Um, an ox to Paul and Barnabas Um, the situation kind of turns and we're going to see how badly it turns Um, uh, John would you read verse 19 and 20 How bad did this get? Now, I want you to look. Just look at it for a second compare. Verse 18 with verse 19. In verse 18, Paul and Barnabas have trouble restraining these people from offering sacrifices to them. By verse 19, what has happened? They're ready to kill him. Can you trust popular opinion? You know? It's back to... What your mom always said to you, if everybody was jumping in the fire, would you? Okay, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you? Okay. Peer pressure. It's, it's, it's incredible here how quickly and how fickle this crowd is. What has happened is that some Jews that were formerly hostile to, hostile to the gospel, so they've been at one of these other outposts Okay, where they've been, you remember, it was a divided response. Part of them came to faith. Part of them just got mad. This was part of that second group. They traveled a long distance to come and be here. Okay? And they turn the crowd into a mob scene. I want you to, um, I'm going to go back a chapter. Okay? I'm going to go back a chapter and just give you some, some um. Some detail. I'm going to read verse 42, and then I'm going to read verse 44 and 45. In verse 42, Paul and Barnabas were going out. The people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. So, in other words, as they were preaching uh, the first week, um, and they're in Iconium, I think, as they were as they were preaching, it was just so intriguing to all these Jewish people, and even more so to the Gentiles. They said, "Would you come back next week and talk to us some more? We are loving hearing about." So they do. Verse 44, chapter 13. The next seven. Nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God, word of the Lord. So literally, everybody shows up to hear what Paul's got to say. Barnabas is with it. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began contradicting the things spoken by Paul. Paul would say something, they'd say, no. And were blaspheming. Those guys made the trip to Lystra, stirred them up so badly that it went from uh, a proposed barbecue in Paul and Barnabas' honor, literally uh, to proclaim these are gods living among us. It went from that to one verse later, a mob scene and they're picking up stones to stone them and, and kill them. It's incredible to me. And they did that if, I'm, if I read it correctly. So, interesting. Any of us that, do, that have done ministry have kind of experienced this a little bit, you know. Um, Jake and I have been talking a lot lately about his, how long he's going to be in Michigan. I'm hoping it's not long, but you Actually, I'm, i Actually, it's going so wonderful for them. The church is growing and... Uh, uh, they f- it fits them. And, um, but he's in ministry in a place 800 miles from here, and it breaks my heart every day because I want to see my kids. And so as we talk about that, Jake, how long are you going to be there? Dad, I could see us being here the rest of our lives. I get that because when I was his age, I could see myself being in eastern Kentucky the rest of my life. I could see it. By the time I left, not so much. Some of my friends and I who have a common experience will say, if you can do ministry in Appalachia, you can do it anywhere, okay? I have a recurring dream, haven't had it in a long time, but I had it for years. After I came to this church, I would dream, and a bus, a big bus, would pull up. in this recurring dream, in this horrible, it's this recurring dream, this bus would pull up in front of my house, and the door would open, and getting off the bus were all my success stories from Kentucky. Uh, I'm sorry, my failure stories from Kentucky. Literally, it's like, oh no, him too? It's so interesting how the crowd can get it right or can exaggerate your importance. Or they can pick up a rock and say, you know what? It's time for you to go to be with Jesus. That's what happened here. Now what you got to catch here though, Paul's got to be comforted greatly by this as is Barnabas. If you notice in verse 19 and 20 um, um, they stoned Paul. This is not they wanted to stone him. They did. There are other times where Paul slips away. They stoned him. I don't know. There are some commentators who think Paul may have even died and come back to life. I I, I don't want to go that far but it Who knows? The thought here, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. And notice in verse 20, who took care of him? What are they called? The disciples. Can I I tell you who that is? This is not, this is not, you know, Peter, James, and John and the other nine. These are people that Paul just led to faith including, were you in the bleacher bums when you were at Beth and Nazarene College? You weren't? You're looking at me like that was beneath you. I the other side Well, I was in the band, so I was a real nerd, but, but okay. Um, bleacher bums, anybody know the bleacher bums? The bleacher bums were kind of a guy's g- pep club thing, and they all wore uh, shirts, like chambray shirts, that had a name on the back that they made up. And it was all kind of play on words. So, that is, so. if you were to bleacher run, then you didn't have a name of the beggars. Okay. All right, okay. So you, you saw it all happen. When Joe and I were in college, we're just having a moment here, sorry. Uh, this guy, a, a part of this group in verse 20 that took care of Paul, I gotta believe, was our new friend, Here's his name. Stand up. First thing Paul says to him, stand up, right? Now, in my goofy, sorry, Sherman, I'm sure you're on the way out of the door by now, but the point is, I got a figure, now it's not in scripture, but I got a figure. It says, the disciples ministered to them. You know who was right there? (laughs) Stand up. The guy who Paul said to him, first words he said to him were, stand on your feet, stand up, and he did. He jumped up. Him and dozens of other people that had been led to faith by this really brave pair of men. I, I just find it really interesting. Um. I, 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 they stand and take care of him and then they send them off now it's interesting as you read verse 20 you might miss it when it says the next day they left and went to where Derby, Derby okay that's a 60 mile hike What kind of a guy was Paul? He just got beaten to within an inch of his life. And the next day, he gets up and walks 60 miles. Now, he probably didn't walk at all in a day. Okay, I get that. But they left immediately and walked to Derby. Now, then where did they go? It's interesting. If if, um, I had one of Terry's maps here, I could show this to you. But I want you to catch this. Because if you've read anything ahead, you know that there are a lot of other routes that they could go, including on the route. If you read 21:39, uh, on another route they could have gone was through a place called Tarsus. Anybody ever heard of that? Paul's hometown. He could have gone home. He's bruised, beat up, but they didn't. Now, let's read from verse 21. I want you to catch where they went. Somebody read 21, 22, and 23. I'm gonna to have to cut this short because we're almost out of time. But, but you've got to catch this. The next day, they made us. They started on this 60-mile journey to Derby, establishing another church. Then, where did they go? They went back where they'd already been, where they'd already been threatened. But they started churches there. I find this incredibly. Uh, uh, stirring to me it, it's, it's uh, challenging to me that Paul and Barnabas knowing what fate probably awaited them there you remember some of them had already had followed them where they were in Lystra and almost killed them so they go back and instead of taking the easy route back they go back through the towns where they've been where they've established churches where they've led uh, both Jews and Gentiles alike to faith in Jesus Christ why? It's implied in the verses that we just read, but let me let me kind of tell you my take on it, little Hudson beverage. Our concern is because he's so small and so young. He's got, he has trouble breathing, he has trouble eating, all those things. Rhonda used to tell me when she worked in the in the uh, NICU unit. Uh, for a couple of years, she would tell me they had to measure everything that they fed these babies because, and everything that kind of went out of these babies because the truth was they could burn more calories eating than they were able to eat. And they would literally, in the process of eating, the physical labor to eat, they would lose weight. I, you know what you got to catch here? You know why Paul put his neck on the line to go back where he had been and had encountered all kinds of things and knew he would have some more because he had babies there he had babies there I'm meeting every Wednesday morning with a with a not a new friend but a, a guy who asked me several months back if I would if I would disciple him and and he's much younger than me and I'm just Every time we're together, it's, he's like one of those little birds, you know. It's just wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. And yet I have to challenge him occasionally because my fear is that someone will wreck his faith. He's still a baby. You know what Paul and Barnabas went back to say? said, you know what, guys, where you are is a rough place, believe me. You're under all kinds of persecution. It will be easier for you to turn your back on Jesus than it will be to tell other people about Jesus. Don't do that. Let me, he gave them further teaching. He put elders in their path that would shepherd them along the way. Don't forget about them. Here's what you and I've got to learn from this, and I'll close. As we kind of live, in and around the church. Sometimes I get uh, pretty interested in kind of my own agenda and what I want to happen here. You know? What I absolutely can't forget is that not only is this kind of a, a fortress for old guys like me who've been at it for 50 years, but it's a nursery for a bunch of babies. People who are just now coming to faith. And if the shepherds of this place, and and they do it so well, do what they're called to do, they're concerned about the life of the babies. And they might occasionally say to me, you know what, you can figure this out, but I got to take care of the babies. That's okay. That's what Paul did. I need to have the courage To follow the Lord Jesus, even when it hurts in the interest of those who are brand new in the faith.